Uh, last week, I, I told you we, the sermon that we did, I, I thought it was going to be kind of like a one-hit wonder thing, you know, just a quick one, and boom, we were move on to a series. But the Lord really laid it on my heart to, to kind of even take that further, what we're talking about, getting closer. And, and so today, that's what we're going to do is be talking about how it will change your life. How many of you today, if you are a follower, a believer in Jesus, can you sit there and say that there was a time in your life where you were actually closer to God than you are today. I'm talking about when God seemed really near to you all the time. You know, James chapter 4, verse 8, you heard it last week, it says this, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Church, we are not called to live that way where our loyalty is divided. We are called to give him our full attention. But church, ever have you had a time in your life where you felt God was like right there? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, he was like right there. You know, when you read his word, there was a verse, you're like, man, that's exactly what I needed to hear. He was speaking to you. And then you read that verse and you felt like he's talking to you. And then the very next day, the preacher is preaching on that very same exact verse again. Or, or, you know, you would pray and, and you would see God respond. Maybe, church, it was in the little things. Oh, wow, I just lost my stuff. There it is. No, it isn't. <clears throat> How embarrassing, huh? It might be embarrassing. <laughs> All right, one more time. Someone go on my desk in my office. There's an iPad sitting in there. If you could do that, that would be fantastic. For some reason, it just... Technology. I'm going to try it one more time here. The paper never does lie and won't let you down either. You are absolutely right. And if you could hurry, that would be great. I would be excited. <laughs> I ain't joking. <laughs> but I can get back to you. I can expound on what I said so far. So church, like, you're, I'm talking about you go to church and you really feel God speaking to you. Or how about the times you go into church and, and you hear a song? I mean, that song is just really resonating to you. And then all of a sudden, you know what? You hear that song when you leave the church. Thank you very much. You hear that song playing in your car when you leave. This is what separates the men from the boys right here. I'll tell you right now. Yeah, you'll have that. And anyways, so you're, you're thanking God for what it is he's doing. You, you see God responding, right? And, and you, you can't wait to get to church. You're, you're feeling God really close to you. You can't wait to get to church to hear the word and to, to be part of it with your friends. It was amazing. It felt like God was around you all the time. And then some time goes by, church, and this does happen to each and every one of us because Right, the relationship with God, you have those mountaintop highs, and sometimes you're in that valley, but time goes by and it just isn't the same. I'm talking about you, you go and you realize something. You realize you're not feeling him like you used to. Or, or you're, you're, you're watching online, church, and you realize that maybe you've lost some passion. You, you still have the light, church, but it's dimmed a little bit. And, and so were you closer to God at a certain time in your life than you are right now? You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about you had it. It was that, that something special, that passion, that, that sense that God was with you, that God was for you, right? That God was directing you, that God was answering your prayers. You're, you're feeling those things. You had it, and it feels like you lost it. 
And so today I want to start out with a text, church. It, it can be very emotional. If you read it properly, it can be very emotional. And some of you, you might be able to relate to the, to the emotion that is described here. In, in Psalm 42, if you'll look at it with me, in Psalm 42, verses 4 and 5, it says this. It says, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sounds of a great celebration. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Church, you can almost feel the heaviness of this guy saying, like the, the psalmist saying, like, I used to be close to God. Maybe you, you haven't stopped to think about this church. Maybe you've realized it a little bit, but you never really thought about it. Maybe you haven't done that at all, but today, right now, you are, because I'm pointing this out. You are like, I used to be close, but why am I not now? Used to feel like you had it, but now you feel like you lost it. So today, what I want to do, church, is I want to help you get that back. I want to help you get that back. And, and if you don't really know what I'm talking about and you say, like, I never really had it, preacher. Well, today I want to help you get it. I want to help you get it. I remember a time when as a church, that this church, it really was, it was cold and dark. I'm going to be honest, I was part of the problem because I've been here my whole life. The church was cold and it was dark and, and, and I mean, it was, it was hard to come to church. There wasn't much life in it, right? And, and I remember praying and I wasn't the only one praying. There was a couple other people that we talked about. We would be praying like, Lord, send us some leaders. You know, Lord, send us some worshipers. Send us some prayer warriors. And I remember going to other churches like when I was on vacation and I'd sit there and I would be enjoying it. But the whole time I'm going like, man, I wish we had this. I, I wish we could see this. I remember going to other churches' youth groups, ones that, I mean, they were rocking, they were kicking, and I'd be like, man, I wish our youth group could be like this. And I remember going to conferences and, and just sitting there thinking like, man, I wish I had this. Wanting and longing to see it, church. In our staff meetings, we call this electric. We've been talking about this a lot in our staff meetings electric, meaning there's a lot going on. You know what I'm talking about? A lot going on. I'm talking about there was a vibe, there's a hum, there's an anticipation. You know, there, there was prayer. And people serving. I mean serving with everything they got. Church, now we've been through, the last three years have been brutal for all of us, every single one of us. We, we've gone through some things the last three years. You know, people seem disconnected spiritually. People seem disconnected uh, emotionally. They're, they're not attending church anymore. You know, they're struggling. They're hurting both emotionally, spiritually, in all those ways. And, and so they're sitting there like, what is it that we're missing? Why are we struggling so bad? And so today what I want to do is I want to talk to you from Revelation chapter 3. From Revelation chapter 3, and it was when Jesus was speaking to the different churches. And he was speaking to a church in Sardis, and, and, and they thought they had it. They really did. They thought they had it. But it was when, as he was speaking to this church, they really didn't. Have you ever known someone who, who thought they had it? You know, like someone, oh, I'm the greatest singer in the world. And you're like, no, you just make a joyful noise of the Lord, but I'm not going to tell you that. You know, you go and do you, right? Or, or, you know, maybe you played sports with somebody, and, and, and 
as you're playing sports, you got that one person, they think they're the greatest on the team. You're like, no, you're not. Your dad's the coach. That's why you're in there. You know, those, they thought they had it, but, but they really don't. And so I want to give you about this church in Sardis. You know, they thought they had it, but they really didn't. I'm going to stop for one minute here real quick. Right, the one they just gave me is going to die in two seconds here, so I got 2%. It's one of them days, but we're going to do this, church. The enemy don't want you to hear this, but you're going to. We're going to do this. All right, so they, they think that everybody didn't. So I want to give you a little bit of background about Sardis. See, Sardis was the capital city of the Lydian Empire, which is in western Turkey. And so this city was known for a lot of things. They, really, they were known for a lot of things. They were known for gold. They found gold in the river that rolled past the city. They, found, they had wool that was colored the first time in history, right? It was always black and white, the wool was. But now they knew how to color the wool, and they were just the talk of the town with that. But they were also known for their fruits and their produce. That's what Sardis was known for. See, the city was known for their fruit, but I want to tell you, church, the church in Sardis was not. They were not known for their fruit. Let me tell you what kind of fruit I'm talking about here today. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, these are the fruits of the Spirit. You heard this before. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. And see, this is what the apostle Paul, he was calling spiritual fruit. And when you walk with Jesus, church, you are filled with spiritual fruit. You're filled with the spirit, then you are filled with the spiritual fruit. And I'm talking about this love, right? This spiritual love, this spiritual joy, this spiritual peace. Have you ever had someone who claims to be Christian, but they're really not? I'm talking about there's no fruit. You know, they're not very loving. They're not very joyful. They're kind of like, you know, I'm a Christian for the glory of God, you jerk. You know, they kind of have that attitude. They won't admit it, but that's really how they play it out. You know, there's no peace. There's no love. There's no faithfulness. There's no joy. Well, this here was the church. It's Sardis. This is exactly where they were at. They had a lot of activity, but they did not have a lot of spiritual fruit. They thought they had it, but they didn't. So I'm going to read to you what Jesus said to these people. If you'll turn with the main text today, it's going to come from Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And it goes like this, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. Church, he said, you have a reputation for being alive, but you're not. See, this is where a lot of so-called Christians may find themselves today, or even, you know what, even a lot of churches. 
Outwardly, there's a lot of spiritual busyness going on. I mean, they're doing some things. There's spiritual busyness going on. You know, going to, to Sunday small groups or doing your Bible study, you know, listening to K-Love, or, or maybe you're serving somewhere. There's an outward spiritual busyness, but inwardly, there is a spiritual detachment. This is what we call a nominal Christian. See, we see it a lot. People call themselves Christians just because they're not anything else. You go to the hospital, they'll say, what denomination are you? And maybe that person doesn't have one. And they're like, well, which ones are there? Are you this? Oh, no, I'm that. I'm Christian. I'm Christian. You know, they kind of think I'm like, I'm a good person. You know, many people in the churches today, and please don't take this offensively. I want to get to this. I want you to understand this. Many people in churches today, they have just enough Jesus to fake it. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about they're playing the part. They know the language. They're able to blend in, but they don't have enough Jesus in them to where it radically changes their life where they are no longer who they used to be. You know, they think they have it, but they don't. They think they have it, but they don't. This is what the people in Sardis look like. See, church, Sardis was an ancient Greek city. I'll give you a little bit of background. They had an Acropolis. For those of you who don't remember world history, in the 10th grade, you studied Acropolis there, but I'm going to fill you in. An Acropolis is a mountain fortress a mountain fortress that is surrounded (laughs) paper don't lie all right thank you man we got a good staff here church we do i love them anyways an acropolis is is this fortress on top of a mountain and it's surrounded by a river that's where sardis was It was surrounded by a river. it made kind of like a moat around it and sardis was almost completely impenetrable except it wasn't. Here's a true story for you about Sardis. In 549 BC, one of the guards on top of the castle, he leaned over, his helmet fell off, dropped all the way down the mountain, and the guard, with the enemy watching, by the way, he scaled down 1,700 feet down that mountain to the bottom, picked up his helmet, and then he climbed back. See, the only problem was this. The Midians... Their enemy saw him do this, and they thought, huh, if he can climb down, pick up his helmet and climb back up, why can't we do that? So in the middle of the night, the soldiers, the Midian army, they scared the wall, defeated the people while they were sleeping of Sardis. And church, this happened because the people of Sardis, they became complacent, they had become comfortable, and it's because they let their guard down. Let me give you the definition of complacent in case you don't know this. It's this showing satisfaction with oneself or your achievements. See, Sardis, they had it and they lost it. They became complacent. They became distracted. Church, they were spiritually asleep. And that is why Jesus said, wake up, wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. And church, that is going to be my message to some of you this morning. It is time, for real, listen to me this morning. It is time to wake up. It's time to wake up. There was a time, church, that you had it, and there is a time that you were closer to God, but now you're not so close as you once were. 
Man, as a church, maybe we had a passion. I'm talking it was undeniable. It was indescribable. It was a passion for Jesus. And then we got distracted by the things going on in the world. Maybe it's you as an individual. Maybe it's us as a church as a whole. Maybe you had it and you lost it. See, we didn't see it coming. When you're losing it, church, you don't see it coming. It doesn't happen overnight. See, there's this slow drift away. It's a very slow drift away. Maybe it's this thing where you're praying more publicly than you are privately. That the only time you're praying is when we're all sitting here together in church. Maybe the only time you're reading your Bible is when we, we turn the page for you and we'll stick it right up there. You just sit there, eat your popcorn and get a pillow and relax. We're going to put it up there for you. I'm being sarcastic. Nobody's bringing you popcorn. See, or maybe it's we end up caring more about what people thought than what we care about what our Heavenly Father thinks about us. Some of you this morning, you might be able to relate. You feel like you had it, but then you lost it. I'm talking about you got distracted, you got busy. Maybe your heart, church, maybe your heart this morning just drifted away. So what do you do? What do you and I do when you realize that you aren't as close to God as you once were? And I'm asking you, are you close to God as you once were? Think about it for a minute. Let us look at three things in Revelation chapter 3 that I promise will help you get it back. And if you've never had it, I believe it will help you get it. So what are we going to do? According to to scripture in Revelation chapter 3, the very first thing that we're going to do is remember it. Remember it. Revelation chapter 3, verse 3, says this, Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time it will come to you. He says right there, he says, remember. Remember. You know what we do a lot of times as individuals, as human beings? We love to remember all the horrible things that happened to us. Don't we? We, we can rattle them off. Oh, you know what happened to me? You know what they did to me? And we're quick to roll them out, aren't we? We are quick to talk about all the bad things that's happened to us in our lives, the things that people have done to us. But man, listen, Jesus is telling us here, he says, remember, remember what you have heard, remember what you have received. He said, you hold fast. In the Greek, this text right here, it means, remember means remember, but it means keep remembering. You remember it some more. You remember it some more. Don't forget it. It means to bring it to mind over and over and over again. That's what that means, church. If we go back and look at Psalm 77, Psalm 77, verses 11 and 12, it says this, but then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. Church, that's where you're gonna get it. You remember what it is that God has done in your life. You remember it. We need to remember what we were before Christ. Remember what you were before Christ did a great work in you. Church, you remember where you came from. My dad always told us kids when, you know, we would get a promotion. I remember when I got promoted my job, he, he, he told me, I told him I got promoted. You know, the first thing he said to me, he says, don't you dare forget where you came from. He said, don't you dare forget that you started at the bottom, that that you had to work hard 
to get where it is. And, and so church, listen, you remember where you came from. You remember where you used to be in life until Jesus rescued you. Until he pulled you up out of the muck and mire and placed your feet on solid ground. You've got to remember that. Remember when you felt lost, church. Remember when you felt hopeless. Remember when you felt desperate. Remember when you felt depression that was so heavy, you thought you would never, ever find your way out. You remember when you could never even tell the truth. You remember when you were partying and the next day you were so sick, you thought you were going to die but yet you found yourself there again and again. You remember, church, when you cried out to him and he answered your prayer and showed up miraculously. You remember when you had no money in the bank, but yet God still provided for you. You remember when he healed your body. You remember when he pulled you out of depression. You remember when he got you off drugs and brought you to be clean. You remember when he gave you a hope, when you had no hope, whatsoever church you remember when he gave you a purpose when you had no purpose you remember when he comforted you when you felt his presence after you felt all alone almost your whole life church you when he heard the cries of your heart you remember that some of you you really need to remember it you need to think back don't forget where you've come from don't forget what God has delivered you from Church, I want you to think back to when he answered your prayers. I want you to think back to and remember when he forgave your sin. I want you to think back when, when you couldn't get off alcohol, but he got you off the alcohol. You remember when he made you new? You remember, you remember, you remember. You think about it, you think about it, church, and you think about it. You remember his wonderful deeds of long ago. Church, I want you to think about who you were before and remember what he's done. So the first thing from Revelation chapter three is you remember it. The second thing is this, you finish it. You finish it. How many of you are the, the people that never finish anything? <laughs> we could come to your house right now and you got 35 projects started in your house. I'm gonna get to that tomorrow, aren't you? <laughs> tomorrow never comes. Right? We, we start so many things in our lives. How about New Year's Eve? Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Right? Remember, church. Not only remember, but you finish it. You finish what you started. Just don't remember, but you finished. It says there in Revelation chapter 3. I want to take you back there again. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 2, I believe it is. It tells us. It says, wake up, strengthen what remains about to die, for I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Unfinished, church. If you had it, then you lost it. Maybe you wonder where it went. Maybe it's because you didn't do something. How many of you have honestly felt God telling you to do something? Right? I want to tell you, he is. <laughs> He tells every single person to do something. And so you remember because he told you to do something and you didn't do it. That's unfinished, right? There was something that he led you to do and you never did it. That's unfinished. He prompted you to give, but you didn't give. Church, that's unfinished. He led you to confess it and you didn't confess it. Church, that's unfinished. He prompted you to share it and you didn't share it. 
that's unfinished. He told you to trust him, but yet you continue to control it. Church, that's unfinished. He told you to ask for help, and you wouldn't do it. That's unfinished. He told you to do something, church. I believe that God speaks to us all the time. Ladies, he told you to break up with that guy because your mama don't like him. Your dad don't either. Your relatives don't either do your neighbors. And God doesn't want you to settle for a fixer-upper. He's telling you, finish the work. Finish the work. What is it that God has told you to do, church? Think about it. What has God told you to do? I want to take you back to Psalm 42. Psalm 42, I read it at the beginning. It says, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks among the sounds of great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. See, he has a revelation here. God's telling him what to do. He says, I will put my hope in God and I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Church, you hold close to what's important to you. And when you draw near to him, the Bible makes it clear. He will draw near to you. So not only, church, do you remember, not only do you finish it, the third thing I want to share with you from Revelation chapter 3 is this. You wake up. Wake up. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 2, it says, Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Church, he says, wake up. I want you to think about that for a minute. How many of you are honestly asleep? He's saying, wake up and strengthen what is about to die. He's warning you like, hey, there's something right there. It's going away from you. It's shriveling up. It's not going to be there anymore. It's going to die on the vine. He's saying, you wake up and strengthen it. You strengthen it. I want to encourage you, church. You need to wake up in your job. You do. You wake up in your job. How about this? You wake up in your family. For every man who is sitting here right now, if you got kids, I'm even talking about grown kids. I know it is so hard to raise grown children, but as a man, you still have a responsibility to your family. Men, we need to be leading. You need to be showing your kids. Nothing blesses me more when my adult children will call me and ask me what my opinion is, because I'm going to give it. I promise you that. You lead your family. That is the job that we are called to do. You wake up in your family. You have young children. Do you realize it is your responsibility to make sure they know who Jesus Christ is? You will be judged for that. It is your responsibility to make sure they know who they are, to see to it that they, oh, they are in our Sunday small groups and maybe they're in youth group. It is your responsibility that they understand who Jesus Christ is. Church, we need to wake up in our money. You realize God has blessed you with that money? And if you're withholding from him, you're robbing yourself of blessings and you're stealing from God. True story. You need to wake up in your faith, church. The faith that God has given you, not just to be sitting there, God has called you to share your faith. You need to wake your friends up. How many of you have friends who are dying and going to hell right now? And I'm not talking they got a disease. I'm talking they don't know Jesus Christ. 
You have a responsibility there, church. You are to wake your heart up. How many of your hearts have grown hard and have gone, grown cold to the things of the Lord? You need to wake your heart up. You need to wake up in God's word. You need to be using God's word. Church, you need to wake up your passion. You need to wake up your faith and press into the goodness of God. Do you get what I'm saying to you this morning? You wake up. You need to wake up. Who is he to you, church? Who is he to you? What is he to you? What has he called you to do this morning? Church, he has called every single one of us. He really has. He has called every single one of us to, to do something. It drives me crazy when everyone says, like, yeah, I don't know what God wants me to do. Have you ever asked him? I promise you he's going to tell me I'm living proof. I'm living proof. I said, Lord, you make it clear to me because I'm kind of stupid. And he did. <laughs> it couldn't have been any clearer. You know what? You, you, you wake up. He has something he's called you to do. You all have gifts. You all have talents. Man, we, this past week, we buried a lady from this church, sweetest lady in the world, 93 years old, Margie Brown. And, you know, everyone thinks that, well, when I got to do something from the church, it means, oh, I got to set up the chairs or I have to lead Sunday school. Yes, some of you need to be doing that. You're gifted in that. But this lady, she couldn't do much. She was 93 years old. She had a really hard time walking, couldn't walk by herself. She had a cane. People had to stand beside her. You know, but she, when she came to church, she made it here. She was in the hospital and out of the hospital so often. It was hard to keep track of what was going on with Margie. But you know what she did? She knew she had a purpose. She knew that God called her. And you know what? For those of you who have been going to church here for a while, if she had your address and she knew your birthday, your anniversary, you got a card. My granddaughter got two cards a year from her because she had it written down that hers was January 1st and July something. So my granddaughter got two cards a year from Margie Brown. But you know what? She had her own ministry going on. She did. You had the sniffles. I mean, you coughed once. She sent you a card. This woman found a place to minister in at 93 years old. And we're sitting here saying, yeah, I really can't do much. Church, you find what it is that God is calling you to do. You have been chosen. Do you realize that? You have been called. Church, you have been set apart. You have been given so much. Do you realize his grace, church, isn't for nothing? God has given you so much grace. He loves you. He chose you. He redeemed you. He equipped you. He's equipped you to do what he's calling you to do. Don't think you're freestyling out there. God has already equipped you. He filled you with the very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You have it, church. So I want to tell you this morning, wake up. You wake up. Do you realize the the world is going to hell. Outside, they are. And we're too busy in here fighting about politics, paint, and carpet. It's stupid. And do you realize you will also be held accountable for that? You'll be held accountable. Church, we are way better than that. We are way better than that. You have a calling, church, to lift up the name of Jesus Christ in both action and in word. So I want to tell you again, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die in your life. It isn't hard to find it. I want to tell you, let us be the church. I want us to be 
the church. I don't want you going to church. You need to be here. But I want you to be the church. The church that is reaching out. The church that is working. The church that is supplying. The church that is witnessing. The church that is praising. The church that is worshiping. I could go on and on. Let us be the church. This isn't a game. It's really not. So who are you? Who are you this morning? I'll tell you who you are. You are the church. You are the church. And it's time for us to wake up. As I call the praise team up here this morning. Church, we do, we have a calling. Every single one of us, we have a calling on our lives. I want to encourage you. Maybe if you feel that you aren't as close to God as you used to be. God doesn't move. (laughs) He's not the one who moved. You've kind of done that slow fade. You've kind of done that slow fade. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't you dare let your faith die. He says, strengthen what is about to die. You want to know how you strengthen it? You get in God's word. You worship him. You seek him. And the Bible says, you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. He didn't casually say it. He made a declaration. So don't let your children's faith die even before they get it. You have a responsibility. Believers, we have a job to do. We do. Maybe this morning you're sitting here and you've never felt close to God, but yet he's stirring your heart today. That's the Holy Spirit working. He's calling you out. He's telling you, I I want you to come to know me. That feeling that you got right now, He's wanting you to have that feeling every day of your life. He wants you to understand that will only come through a right relationship with Him. And then as you grow in your faith, it's amazing what God's going to do. So if you don't know Him personally, if you never felt close to God, it's because you don't know Him and you haven't given your life to Him. I want to tell you today is the day that you can take care of business. You can get it right with Him. And it comes from confessing, admitting who you are without him, recognizing that you just keep messing it up and messing up. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter three that all of us fall short of the glory of God. You can't do it by yourself. Even your best attempts are gonna fail. But when Christ strengthens you, then you can live the life that he's called you to. So if you feel that's for you, this one, I want you to come forward. You come forward and and we'll have people down here to pray for you. Maybe you don't fully understand it, man. Let them explain it better to you. We'll lead you where you need to be. So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing. But I want to encourage you to respond this morning.